Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Caged In podcast. If any of you don't know what this podcast consists of by now, you've had 20 episodes to to get your shit together, so I'm not explaining. No, of course I will explain. I'm only messing, guys. Um, it's a podcast where me and your host, Petros Patsyllabus, will be watching every single Nicolas Cage film. Um, yeah, it's just my journey through the insanity of his career and seeing if my insanity, well, if I if I manage to pick up any insanity along the way. Um, if you listen to last week's bonus episode, you would have heard that my IQ has gone up. Uh, I'm not sure how. I think it's by like 13 points. Or no, 15 points. Yeah. So, fucking hell. But, um, yeah, this week we will be looking at It Could Happen to You, which was released in 1994. All I know about this film is Nicolas Cage is hugging a lady in the on the poster. That's it. And that's all I want to know because I've got two simple rules that I follow. And they are no expectations and no distractions. So, no expectations, like I just explained. I don't want to know anything about this film before I watch it. don't want to know about any of these films before I watch them. Um, there's some massive oversights in films that I probably should have seen at the age of 26, growing up in the 90s. Uh, I've never seen The Rock, Con Air or Face Off. And... I'm not going to know. I'm I, I'm literally trying to avoid anything about those films until it comes round to watching them. Um, yeah, so that is no expectations and no distractions. Well, what does that entail? That entails me not letting myself be distracted by any of these things we've become accustomed to in the 21st century. So I turn my phone on airplane mode. I notice a lot of you, that sounds like a crazy idea to be disconnected from the world a minute, let alone 90 minutes plus. It's fucking crazy, I know, guys, but I'm I'm going out there. I'm living life on the edge, all for your entertainment. Um, Yeah, I turn my laptop off. Um... I had my piano out today because you're going to hear a little treat today, guys. I've recorded a one-off intro and stings and like a theme, a little theme for the reviews section because at the end of every episode, once I've given my opinion, then I look online and have a look at what the wider world has to say. So I tend to look at the top three scores that come up when you Google a film. Uh, the ones that it tends to be are IMDb, Metacritic, Rotten Tomatoes, and Roger Ebert sneaks in there from time to time. So they will be the three, like, yeah, I will pick three different reviews to kind of look at and use as, like, a wide look at whether my opinions match those of the of popular opinion or if I'm going out on a massive whim 
and just don't like a film that everyone else loves or vice versa. Everyone else loves a film that I fucking hate because I am a curmudgeon. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm going to... I've had a few... I like In the last episode, I'd asked people for some questions. Um, and some people submitted them a little late. Um, I'm going to get to one of those now and I'm going to get to one of the questions at the end because I feel like I need a little bit more time to think about it um I made the mistake of saying that I would answer any question like not even Nicolas Cage related I will literally answer any question that you guys have to throw at me which could have been a big mistake slightly is a big mistake because i got asked um not gonna not gonna mention the the listener's name but i got asked have i ever tried to suck my own cock and that answer to you is of course who fucking hasn't come on guys you've all tried to go a bit you all thought maybe i could go marilyn manson remove a couple of ribs then it would be go time never have to have a girlfriend would you no i'm joking that is not what ladies are for come on guys sam it's 21st century (laughs) um but yeah that hope that hope that one clears that up um and i was discussing this with a fellow podcaster uh, and he posed me the question um this isn't one that was made it's just like in casual conversation uh speaking to todd jordan of the bitter end and he had asked me because we had like i told him about this um question i'd been asked and he asked me would i rather suck my own cock or nicholas cages and i've seen both and i think i would have to go for mine because i don't know where his has been he um or how clean it is. I've I've got a thought that I wouldn't clean it that often. But um, yeah, so that's a couple of questions answered for you guys. Hopefully that I've like I don't know. Hopefully it doesn't tarnish my your thoughts of me more than they probably already are. So um yeah, amazing. I'm gonna put my feet up turn my phone off and get raging with cage feels like i've been awake for days watch a film starring nicholas cage could be shit or it could be fun valley girl face off an army of one deadful corner lord of war the wicker man trespassing so many more know how it starts i don't know how it ends the first ten are solo then it's me and some friends no distractions, no expectations Over the weeks, hear my frustrations I guess the podcast is about to begin I'm your host Petra Plasilevis And I'm caged in So guys, um, you know when you listen to a podcast And they say uh, We've lost, we lost the audio The audio just disappeared um, And you always think, ah oh, that, that, that that sounds sounds like it could be fake, or that's why they they're just saying that because there's a delay in the podcast. And as a podcaster, you sometimes think 
that could happen, that couldn't happen to me. And it's all it's almost like a niggling fear in the back of your mind that that will happen to you that for some reason, because we live in a digital age, the audio will just poof and disappear into thin air. Um, ironically, the film I'm talking about today and I've already talked about but none of you will hear it. No one will ever hear that apart from um, potentially my neighbours if they have a glass to either the ceiling or the floor or I talk really loud and they overhear me pacing around my lounge talking into a recorder. Um, yeah, so ironically the film is called It Could Happen To You because it fucking has happened to me. Um so I'm going to have to do this again. Um, again, I apologise profusely for the delay on the podcast. I do not intend for this. I intend to be every Tuesday. And hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> this actually will come out on a Tuesday. So it should be fine. But for upfront, I should let you know that, um, yeah, I've already fucking recorded this episode it's just that the files disappeared from my memory card and i have no idea um but bearing that in mind still gonna give it my all for you guys i'm gonna i'm gonna refer to the notes because it's been a few days i've watched a lot um i actually really i got really into watching um the keepers me and my girlfriend just ran through that on Netflix just so quickly. Uh, and I've got to admit, it's like, it's at the forefront of my mind because it's just so much mystery in that. But, as I said, I have, luckily I take notes because a lot of the time I record these straight after, so a lot of it's fresh in my mind. And, um, yeah, uh, yesterday, Monday, the 31st of July, I went to move the audio files from a memory card to my laptop and they just weren't there. So, anyway, enough of that guff. Let's talk about It Could Happen To You. Um, so, this film, despite everything about it, despite the plot, the characters, the setting, the premise, just everything about it, um, I really fucking enjoyed it. It's popcorn, cheese, saccharin, but it's, I thoroughly enjoyed it and I would definitely, definitely, definitely watch this film again. And like, when I, when I explain the premise, you'll hear why you'll be like, some of you who haven't seen this film might be like, is that a film I would watch? I recommend it fully. Go out and watch. It could happen to you. Find it. However, you can and watch it. So, what happens in this film? It opens with sprawling shots of New York City kind of panning around. And we have a voiceover um, explaining that our lead character, Charlie, is a good cop. He's a good guy. This is depicted in many ways. Um, him helping a blind guy across the street. 
just generally being a good guy. And it culminates in a scene of him delivering a baby on a bus. If you want to show that someone is a good guy in a film, surely the best way to do that is showing them delivering a baby on a bus. Um, The camera then pans to the narrator who is Isaac Hayes, the singer of the Shaft theme himself, Isaac motherfucking Hayes, guys. Um, And he is talking directly to the camera. Um, A trick, maybe, we don't, we're not necessarily a trick. We see this a couple of times throughout the film, kind of breaking the fourth wall, um, kind of like inviting you guys into that world um, and setting up that he is actually a character in this world. Um, Then he talks about Charlie's wife, Muriel, and then we pan to her, and she, well, not pan, but, like, cuts to her. She works in a hair salon and is talking about how she hates the fact that Charlie is a cop and just seems to talk about money. She's like, how can he earn more money? She's got really, like, she's really... And um, she is played by Gloria from White Men Can't Jump, who the actress's name is Rosie Perez. Um, yeah, if you guys, like, she's got a really shrill voice. Um, but that was perfect for this role because, oh, she ain't nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's just kind of saying, uh, 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 I hate Queens. Uh, uh, I hate I hate the fact he doesn't earn loads of money. Uh, uh, I hate him being a cop. Uh, uh, uh. Um, and like her client just agrees with her, just like probably because she's like, shut the fuck up and finish my hair. Stop just bitching about your husband. He's out there serving and protecting the good people of New York City. Um, and yeah, already like it's set up. She is not. She's just materialistic and cares about that green paper. Those Benjamins. Um, Then we are introduced via the the narrator. The narrator, old uh, Shafty, old badass motherfucker, Isaac Hayes. um, The character of a waitress called... uh, What is her name? Sorry, guys. Um... Yvonne, who is played by Bridget Fonda, I believe. Sorry, guys, I just haven't. As I said, I've I've already recorded this. Uh, it could happen to you. Probably should have had this already up. Bridget Fonda, yeah, I got it right. Why the fuck am I googling it? Um, just trust your instincts, mate. She is in court and she is explaining to a judge that the card that has racked up so much debt that is in her name is not her, was not her doing. It was that of her scumbag husband. Uh, Back, that's my phone ringing. Two seconds, I'm going to answer that. So, her scumbag husband um, is a actor. He's... Yeah, she explains the story of how they fell in love and that she was blinded by the lights of the big city of New York. She came here with all these dreams and aspirations of being an actress and she was kind of wooed by this guy and all of his lavish ideas and the like kind of bullshit he had fed her and had just rinsed her for everything she's got. 
But there's one caveat because she is not actually legally divorced from him. They're separated, but they are not divorced. So the judge says, in the eyes of the law, that does not matter. What matters is that this card is in your name. The debt is in your name. You see a glimmer in the judge's eyes that he's going to somehow forgive her and let her off. But in a a swoop of his arm, he slams down on that paper a stamp that just says bankrupt. So, Yvonne has hit the bottom of the barrel. She is, for a better word, fucked. Um... Then we get Charlie and his wife, Muriel, talking about wanting kids. She says they cannot afford to have kids. They cannot bring up kids in Queens. Their flat is not big enough for kids. Money, 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 money is what she talks about. He says plenty of cops have kids. Like I don't see what the problem is. Why are you so obsessed with the money? Um, She says how she has this weird dream about her dad um involving like kind of i don't know a slot machine and her dad's face appearing and she feels that that is an omen that they should enter the lottery um and the next day charlie goes out with his partner who is hungry and he's uh joins the queue of a newsstand to buy a lottery ticket he's partner's like come on man let's let's just skip the queue with cups because what the fuck we want um a couple of bad lieutenant motherfuckers that's a that's a reference to a lot later in cage's career and um a reference to a film that probably came out around the same time as this starring harvey cartel but um i don't know why i'm doing fucking director's commentary notes in this fuck it um they don't do it because obviously charlie's a good guy he's not going to skip line he is just going to join it buy that lottery ticket with the numbers that he thinks gloria has told him gloria oh shit that's a white man can't jump that muriel has told him uh hold on to that point um he then the partner then says to him come on man let's we can't got your ticket like Burger King's five blocks where we've got to get that. I'm hungry for that BK Whopper. I want that double bacon cheese burger XL. Don't go for that standard shit. Go for that XL. Come on, who you who you messing with? Who you who you fooling? Um, he says, "Oh, why don't we go over there? Like that cute little diner on the corner." Uh, oh, come on, I want that BK. Come on, no. The partner reluctantly goes in with Charlie to the diner. Who happens to be the waitress serving them? You got it. Yvonne. She wouldn't have just been brought up and picked out of thin air for no reason. Let's bear in mind, Charlie just bought a lottery ticket. Um, they have to leave, the Charlie and his partner, because... There is a job and they are good cops. They're not just going to leave it to eat donuts and drink coffee like a common misconception of cops in America. I believe they're probably doing a fine job. Obviously, you've got those guys who have had a shady past in the last few years um, that I think is terrible. 
shouldn't go shooting anybody, guys. Shouldn't be killing nobody. Um, but that is something I should probably not talk about because I'm nowhere near qualified and this is not the platform to discuss those matters. Um, he makes a promise to Yvonne. He says to her, I will come back tomorrow because I don't have the appropriate change to give you a tip. I will either double your tip or have this lottery ticket in my wallet. I will split whatever winnings I make on the lottery with you tomorrow. She thinks this is a cutesy, fun thing to say, but just holds no steam. It has no real relevance to anything. Um, Then we get another scene that shows Charlie as a real good guy. He's playing baseball with the kids in the street. He's called up by his wife, obviously. Kill Joy Muriel. Wants to suck the fun out of everything. Wants to suck the money out of everything. Um, I've got written in my notes here, what a bitch. Yeah, she is a fucking bitch. Um, And that she's superficial and cares about money. They just argue some more about about the lottery numbers because well they are they argue about the lottery numbers because she had specifically told him that one of the numbers she wanted was the 27th the day they got married he had put the 26th the day that they celebrate their wedding anniversary on and the day that they actually got their wedding their their marriage certificate um it's lucky that charlie had done this because As they argue about it, the lottery numbers are read out and they have fucking won. Who'd have thought it? That's what I meant at the beginning when I said the premise of this is bonkers. And I definitely, like, if you had just told me that premise before going into this film, I would have been like, nah, film's not for me. Sorry, I don't want to, um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to watch that. I'll watch something else, thank you. Uh, she, like, loses her shit when he explains about the tip promise he had made to Yvonne. She is like, no fucking way are we doing this. Obviously, obviously, in the real world, nobody is probably that nice to think I'm actually going to honour that. You probably would just go in with a nice, hefty tip probably more than double you would have just to be like come on i'm a nice guy but i'm not gonna split which like split four million dollars which turns out to be their winnings because there was a lot of other people who had won with those numbers on that day one of them being a bowling team who got nine million dollars but muriel and charlie have won four which is a substantial amount of money, and especially was more so possibly in 1994 than it would be today. Um, He deliberates what to do, and then the next day goes back to the diner, and we have Yvonne kind of going about her business and talking to Charlie at the same time, kind of said, sorry about yesterday, I was having the worst day of my life, Um, I'd been made bankrupt, Uh, you kind of see that her boss is a fucking idiot and an arsehole, Um, he's demanding stuff, he's like, come on, get back to work, do this, do that, 
get me another coffee. Um, she gets a nice bit of revenge on him, a bit of instant karma. She puts a load of fag ash in his coffee and um, gave, gave me a real good laugh because as he drinks the coffee, he like, kind of says a line like, oh, that's some damn good joe. Um, yeah, I thought <laughs> I thought it was a really fun line. Um, Charlie gives Yvonne a gift and you think, oh, maybe this... He's not going to go through with this cockamamie plan of giving him half of his winnings. He is just going to give her a nice gift, uh, which happens to be a glasses string. You know, that string that go, like keeps your glass, like, even if your glasses are not on, they're always hanging around your neck. Because the day before, she had kind of misplaced her glasses whilst they were trying to sort out the tip and the bill. Um, sorry, I feel like I'm rattling through this podcast. I kind of am. Because, as I've said, uh, maybe listen to this at half speed if you can do that. Because, yeah, I'm fucking, I'm twistering this I'm, from the tip of my tongue. Um, yeah, you know, that guy's on Slow Jams by Kanye West. That's, that's, that's who I'm uh, emulating with this episode of the podcast. Um, so, yeah, he gives, her, he gives her the gift as a result of yesterday. Another point to show that he is a nice considerate and thoughtful guy um he kind of says so i'll give you an ultimatum would you rather me double the tip i was going to give you or give you half of my lottery win um she kind of laughs and jokes and goes well yeah oh it's gonna have to be the lottery win what better luck next time i guess we didn't win anything and he says no i actually did i won four million dollars making that you would get two million and she instantly like anyone would she thinks fuck you man is this some kind of sick joke are you playing like a joke on me and he says no i'm not honestly tell you it is and she's like why would you do this for me he says because a promise is a promise what a fucking good guy um she goes a bit fucking mental and just says who wants ice cream on their pie to all the patrons of the diner and then just pulls out from behind the counter a big old tub of ice cream and starts just scooping it out left right and center um yeah it's kind of a surreal moment uh not that, i don't know obviously talking about it you're probably thinking someone just scooping ice cream doesn't seem that surreal but in the context of things it pretty yeah it pretty much was um then that night charlie goes home and tells muriel that he is going to go through with splitting the money with yvonne She is still reluctant and he has to win her round by saying, if we do so, think about your public image. You will now be known as the woman with the heart of gold. I've written in my notes here, she has not got a heart of gold. She has got a heart of shit. Um, She is like won over by this idea that she will be known as the lady with the heart of gold and she thinks of how this can benefit her financially as well as get her some type of endorsement deals with 
beauty products and such and such. Um, yeah, you. it's further cementing that idea that she's materialistic and she is a B-I-T-C cunt. Um, they then go to a kind of ceremony of the passing of the big check to all of the winners of the lottery and all the news outlets go a bit fucking mental when they hear the story of Charlie and Muriel splitting the money with Yvonne. Um, the news outlets fucking love it, as they would, because they it's just one of those stories that catches the imagination and the heart of the city, um, and they get the front page of the New York Post. Uh, I emphasize New York Post because that is something we will talk about later when we get to the end of the film. Um, we then kind of see what they're doing with their winnings. It kind of seems who would have thought it? Muriel is just burning through cash. They go from store to store. All the big names you can think of, the Macy's, the, the something or others, the all the places, she's kind of looking like a 70s pimp. Maybe it's a, possibly not, maybe it's a reference to Shaft, but yeah, she's kind of got like a big old fur jacket and a fur hat on. She's uh, The bags are mounting up. Charlie is trying to tip homeless people, she, like tip. She Charlie's trying to give money to homeless people, showing that more so and more so that he's a nice guy. As soon as he puts the money in, Muriel takes it out. As soon as she turns her back, he puts the money back in. Um, she kind of gets a bit of instant karma here, though. Um, because she, as soon as she comes out with a big fur coat on, she gets uh, paint thrown over her by some Peter-like um, supporters who are chanting the words like, Fur is murder. Good. Of all the people you could have thrown paint over, this is the one. Um, she does not respect... Other people, she does not respect anything but that cold, hard cash. Those Abraham Lincolns. I don't know what bill he is on. I'm sorry. Benjamin Franklin's $100 bill, isn't he? That's why it's all about the Benjamins. Path Daddy. Um, they return home to a hero's welcome by their neighbourhood. There's banners. There's people hollering and cheering. Charlie just has a big old smile on his face. Muriel has a face of thunder because she is covered in paint. Um, Yvonne's luck is looking up as well. Um, Earlier on in the film, she had tried to get a credit card. and They had obviously declined it because she was declared bankrupt. She's going through her voicemails and the first one on there is going, Hey, um, I know we said you couldn't get any money, but now we'll give you like a $20,000 limit. Of course. Um, and then a call comes through from her scumbag husband, played by Stanley Tushi. The um, looking rather slimy in this. I'm pretty sure he's got that kind of out of work actor look, that kind of improv group, Shakespeare in the park, roll neck sweater. He's kind of got a kind of um, Steve Jobs, but out on his ass. I know Steve Job has a bit of a out on his ass look about him, but that kind of I don't know 
not-so-jobbing actor. Like, yeah, he's got that definitely-out-of-work actor vibe going on with his look. Um, He's obviously trying to pretend to be coy about the whole thing. Oh, I had no idea you won the lottery. I just just decided now would be the perfect time to call you out of the blue. See how you are doing. Um, She ain't buying any of it. She's like, get the fuck out of here, you bum. Um, We then get the next day and Charlie is back to work because he's not just going to rest on his laurels and burn through that cash. He loves what he does. He loves being a cop. Um, him and his partner go to their favourite Korean supermarket to get a couple of cups of coffee. Um, on leaving the shop, Charlie really like kind of has an idea that everything is not okay in the supermarket because the owner's wife is not there. And they make a comment that even if she were on her deathbed, she would still be working. And he had given them the two coffees for free. Something, again, that is totally out of character for those. I'm not sure if that's a slightly racist thing, trying to say that Koreans are money-grabbing and hard-working. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, like, oh, now I'm thinking about it. Now I've had a lot of time for this one to sink in. Maybe that's, uh, yeah, maybe they're making a kind of racial generalisation there. But, anyway, um, he said, it's not right, I reckon. There's a stick-up going on. Charlie says, I'll hit the back, you stay out the front, and we'll get this. We'll get these couple of fuckers, or however many there are. Um, Charlie sneaks up through the basement. His partner stays out the front. They, um, he, yeah... The wife sees that Charlie is sneaking up through the back on the CCTV and faints. I think it is deliberately. I don't think it is because it's because the two guys who are holding up the store do not see him in the CCTV and get suspicious that they will be focused on her and giving Charlie the proper time to make his attack. And attack he does by throwing a can of tin food at one of the guy's head and rugby tackling the other. But as he is tackling him, he gets shot in the arm, but takes the guy out through the front door, the glass door, onto the street in front and collapses up on top of him. And um, his partner realises, oh shit, my man's been shot. Uh... He is obviously then commended for his bravery in a ceremony of kind of police academy fashion, you know, with those fold-out chairs. He does a nice old speech saying, I'm going to donate $10,000 to the Policeman's Widows Fund because this job, I bloody love it. And it has done so much for me. So now I have the opportunity to give a little back. I'm going to do it. Um, you then kind of see Charlie like milling about in his like sit. Just in his casual clothes. Because he can't really go to work. Because of the gun, the gunshot wound in his arm. Understandable. Um, he comes home on one of his days. And sees that there's tons of workmen kind of renovating his whole apartment it's a right shit show there's a 
architect. There's some guy talking about the resale and rental opportunities that could be had. He's kind of just like, fuck. Obviously, Muriel is spearheading the whole thing, and it is just fucking crazy. Um, Further with him kind of just milling about, he's kind of hanging out with his partner and he had bought he has bought his partner season tickets for the Knicks because earlier on in the film they had talked about how what the partner would do with the money and he said I'd get those fancy tickets right down at the front sat next down to Spike Jones no Spike Lee and Jack Nicholson on courtside uh Charlie says to him sorry they're not those tickets but season tickets here you go, man. Charlie's a nice guy. I don't know sure how many times I'm going to say that throughout this podcast, but he is a bloody nice guy. Um, they are on the corner um, where he had bought the lottery ticket, funnily enough, and see over the street that the diner's name has changed to Yvonne, showing that she has like put the money to good use and bought a business and made something better of her life. Um we then get this kind of fancy boat party, which kind of looks like it's put on for all the winners of the lottery. I'm not sure if that is a thing that happens with when you win the lottery, but it says like a millionaire's boat party. Um, my notes here, kind of some bullet points says for the boat party. Wife is still a bitch. Why isn't he with Yvonne? Wife talks to old weird bloke. Um, this old weird bloke, she starts talking to him because he mentions how he took X amount of money and turned it into a far larger sum. Um, obviously, that piques her interest because she is a money-grabbing bitch. Um, yeah, she's flirting with this old guy and... Charlie then goes outside to help Yvonne, who is having problems with a cab because she doesn't have enough change to pay him. Charlie pays the cab for her and says, listen to me when I say this, repeat after me, just keep the change. His generosity has no bounds. Um, we see back on the boat, the wife, that Muriel is flirting with the creepy old bastard, um... Charlie and Yvonne miss the boat when he had gone out to help her with a cab and they decide to go to dinner because they ain't getting on that boat. Um, And they kind of have a lovely chat. They talk about life. They talk about how, like, he loves his job. They talk about her, like, thing, how she had a a crap husband and stuff like that. Uh, It's interspersed with scenes of Muriel back on the boat dancing with this old, wrinkly-faced, ball-sack-looking motherfucker. Um, 
Charlie is explaining how he's never been with anyone else and how him and Muriel have drifted apart. He makes an analogy of their marriage as he is CNN and she is the shopping channel. Oh, burn. Uh, <laughs> Charlie and Yvonne then dance. Like, And I've written in my notes, this for me is the moment that he falls for her. Um, yeah, so they have a lovely evening, and as the evening draws to a close, they turn back up to the boat, and Charlie says, I'm not doing a lot with my days. If you ever want to just hang out, let's do it. And they agree that tomorrow, hey, tomorrow at noon, let's go do so. Charlie seems ecstatic by this. It's like, yeah, tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, And sees her off on her way. He then is thinking, shit, I've got to make an excuse. And is repeating the line, you won't believe the weirdest thing happened. <laughs> you won't believe it. Um, He then gets back on the boat. He says his line. He says, oh, the, the weirdest thing happened. And then... Muriel just goes into something about the dinner and you realise she did not realise for a single fucking moment that her husband wasn't there. And she introduces this old bullsack looking bastard as Mr. Gross. And there could not be a better name for this ugly prick. (laughs) Um, We then see the next day and Charlie and Yvonne are rollerblading throughout the park having a lovely old time. And um, Charlie ends up, like, he's not so good on the rollerblades and ends up skating off into the lake. Um, And he says, I'll probably get leprosy from this water. Uh, I wrote down that line because that reminded me of um, Time to Kill, the Italian dubbed film uh where Nicolas Cage plays a guy who gets uh leprosy well no he thinks he gets leprosy check that film out because that's a whole host or listen back to that episode that's a whole host of fucking weird um I just thought that that was a weird point that uh, yeah yeah I think you're gonna get leprosy from that water let's see what you could have got leprosy from in time to kill you daft bastard um on the way home, Charlie and Yvonne treat everyone on the subway to a free ride home. They're just stood there with a load of change, like, putting it in, going, hey, the journey's on us, because we're two lovely guys. Um, then they take the neighbourhood kids to a baseball stadium that they have just got entirely to themselves. The adult supervision is Charlie, Yvonne, and Charlie's partner from work. Um... And they just have a amazing time. And you kind of see a tender moment between Charlie and Yvonne just kind of like laughing and joking together as Charlie's partner looks on longingly like, that's who he should be with. Look how bloody happy he looks. This is all my interpretation. None of this is said. Um, I don't know. I felt like I read it pretty well though. Um, When Charlie arrives home... Shit is going to hit the fan. He's had a lovely day, but Muriel is here to ruin it all because she's a bitch. She is a fucking bitch. Um, she is throwing all of his clothes out of like off the fire escape. She's like, uh, like 
as soon as he gets into the apartment, she goes into a tirade of how, like, she thinks he's cheating. He, like, adamantly says, I'm not. I am just, like, friends with this lady. I know you wish I was cheating. And kind of says, like, you don't you don't love me. You used to, you used to say, how was your day? You used to hug and kiss me when I come home from work. Now there's nothing and she says, I want a divorce. And you can tell all she's thinking about is the fucking money. Um, you kind of see what a gross person the character of Muriel is because she has this disgusting, like, self-portrait above the sofa that just... I, yeah, it... It's horrible. Um, I will 100%. I know I always promise this and don't, but I will put a screenshot of that painting up on social media. At Cajun Pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Yeah. She'll know by now. Come on. Follow me on it. It'll be fun. (laughs) Yeah, so she wants a divorce and kicks him out. Uh, At the exact same time, Yvonne's husband has just turned up in her apartment like out of nowhere i guess they must have lived there at some point together um but he is there in a towel eating her macadamia nuts she's like fuck this i'm getting out um both of them end up treating themselves and spend the night at think they're fuck it Gonna spend the night at the plaza, the famous plaza, the same plaza from Home Alone 2. The only difference between this and Home Alone 2 is when they walk into the foyer, they are not greeted by the creepy, weird Donald Trump showing them the way to the foyer. They are greeted by each other. This serendipitous moment has brought them together and they are there in the plaza together and who'd have thought it they're shown up to their rooms by the bellboys and their rooms are together and furthermore who'd have thought it they have those adjoining rooms they have doors that open up into each other's rooms obviously like there's a door then a door directly so you can't just walk in willy-nilly to someone else's room but Yvonne knocks on Charlie's door and they kind of, this is the moment, like, they, they confess their love to each other. Um, and then, like, you see, the next day, they're going through the turnstile doors to go out into the world, face the world with their new, like, love for each other. The fucking bellboys have ratted them out, because you see a moment where the bellboys say, oh, isn't that the, isn't that the cop and the waitress from the paper, you know, the millionaire ones? The paparazzi are waiting for them as they come out. And shit is gonna hit the fan. Because the next scene we get is Charlie and Muriel in a lawyer's office. Um, Charlie says, okay, all the money I have, like, our split. You can have it, Muriel. That is not what this is about for me. It is about me being happy. He's a good guy. Um, she is not just happy with that though. She wants to take it one step further and says, "Cool, 
yeah, I could just have your money, but I also want Yvonne's money too. And has a cockamimi plan that says that it seems like they have come up with this plan together and that Yvonne and Charlie have known each other for a while and have been in love and they plan to kind of fuck over Muriel and that all along it was a setup to rob her of money and then to have half but we know that is not the case so it's so frustrating to watch and you just kind of you detest Muriel even more maybe just maybe I was so invested in this film that I was getting a little a little worked up about it but I don't know, that for me is a sign of a good film that was just emotionally invested. Um, we kind of see that Charlie isn't doing the best because um, his lawyer had said it's probably best you don't hang around with Yvonne that much because that will further the rumours that this was a premeditated thing. So he is sleeping on a mattress on the floor of his partner's house with a Barney, the purple dinosaur duvet set um we then get a courtroom scene so this film has kind of spanned all types of different things and it has settled at this point on a courtroom drama um we get muriel telling loads and loads of lies she says that the numbers she had told charlie to pick included 26 not 27 which we know as the audience is fucking bullshit she says this weird dream that she came about it is because her dead dad looking all angel like had told her 26 in a dream we know this is bullshit muriel um all the way through this court scene there is like new you kind of see the reaction of the city of new york through newspaper headlines and like people reading them and they're kind of scandalous things like uh dead dad prophecy um and then charlie and ivana cross-examined and it's kind of like yeah it's like waitress is slat like headline and stuff like that um and then we get the jury's verdict, which is that Muriel gets all the money because life is not fair, guys. Let me tell you that for sure. Um, Yvonne runs out of the court away from the press. She's like, I just don't want to be a part of this circus anymore. Um, Muriel leaves the court with Mr. Bullsack Gross. Uh, Charlie tries to run after Yvonne. But to no luck, he kind of walks the streets in that kind of classic, like, looking around. Like, you might you might just see them if you just walk the streets in New York. Stranger things have happened in films. So, he's got a good, like, yeah. Anything's worth a try. Uh, a few days have passed. He's kind of, like, down on his luck. And eventually finds Yvonne at the diner. And... He's like, where have you been? She said, like, I ruined your life. And he's like, you didn't ruin my life. It's not about the money for me. It's about the happiness and the love. And that is what I found with you. He bloody loves her. And they kind of embrace and start to dance. And 
whilst they're dancing, um, it was raining outside and through the night, a lonely, sad, homeless man taps on the window and says, can they please make me something to eat? And they make him a bowl of soup. And uh, whilst he eats, they plan to move to Buffalo. Like, New York has nothing left to offer us. I'll become a policeman in Buffalo. And Yvonne says, I will become a waitress in Buffalo. We will start life anew, afresh. Um, The homeless man is not a homeless man at all. He has a fancy uh, watch camera and takes a photo of them kind of in an embrace, and turns out to be a photographer for the New York Post. And he is actually the character played by Isaac Hayes. So his narration is not that of just your standard narration. His narration is almost that of the article he is writing for the New York Post, explaining the relationship of these two um he puts out this article showing that they are not bad vindictive people and explains in there that even when they had given him food they had like sheltered him from the rain charlie had tried to give him money and gave him pretty much everything he had and was upset that he didn't have even more to give him This article paints them in a good light. The light that we have seen them in. That they mean no wrong. And like not the evil vindictive people that Muriel and the other press had painted about them. Um, They then, a few days later before they're leaving for Buffalo. Head to the coffee shop. uh, And the door won't open. Uh, It happens to be blocked by a fucking massive stack of letters i thought to begin with those letters were probably like bill passed due and it was going to be that because muriel had inherited all the money muriel had inherited the debt and muriel was going to get fucked that way um that isn't the case those letters are actually letters of people who had read the article and had felt compassion to their story and had made like small donations and had just been infatuated by the idea of what they had done and how they care for other people and in those donations uh, the narration comes back in and tells us they got six hundred thousand dollars it's not the two million they had but it's better than fucking nothing isn't it um and then we kind of get that classic end of film wrapping up the narration just saying what happened to this person what happened to that person much to my delight and joy muriel got her comeuppance because the money she had got transferred into her account by old jack ballsack gross and she got rinsed for every fucking penny she had and then we see the climactic moment of the film of charlie and yvonne riding off into the sunset on an air balloon and they are dropping what looks like tons of cash upon the city of new york and it's just fucking glorious guys 
it almost brought a tear to my eye. Um, yeah, I, I said it. I, I, I said it at the beginning of this, and I'll say it again. I really, 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 really enjoyed this film. Um, let's see if the internet did. I actually already know the answers to this because, as I've said, I've already fucking recorded this episode. Uh, <laughs> the three scores we have today are IMDB, Rotten Tomatoes, Rotten Tomatoes, Tomato, Tomato, however you want to say it, and Roger Ebert. So, IMDB, 6.3 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes, 71%. And Roger Ebert, 3.4 out of 4. These, to me, are all good scores. I feel like they are very much on the same wavelength as me. I probably maybe slightly enjoyed them a bit more than some of them. But, like, yeah, as like Roger Ebert says, like... Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good score. Like, I can't recommend this film highly enough to everyone. This is definitely a, um, I don't know, like, uh, not, not, not necessarily a career highlight so far, but the, personally for me, this has been one of the most enjoyable films and something I talked about at the beginning of like, um, or no, in last week's episode, when I mentioned about uh, the question I had been asked about if I had to have a BFF, um, I'm going to have to change my answer because I reckon it would be um, Charlie Lang from this film because he is a really fucking nice guy and it wouldn't be about like the fact that he has tons of money. It would just be because he seems like he would just do the right thing and do right by you and right by everyone around and... You can't ask for much more than that. Um, Yeah. And uh, a question I alluded to uh, in the intro to this is something that I got asked past the deadline for questions for last week's episode. Um, Was if I had to be in a human centipede scenario, so my mouth sewn to the arsehole and my arsehole sewn to the mouth of a two different cages from two different films two different characters who would it be right so whose ass is gonna be touching my lips um well that is gonna have to be Nicolas Cage from the film Wild at Heart, just because I feel that he lives on a diet of cigarettes and there won't be much to pass through to touch my lips. So that's what I'm going to go with. There might be a couple of peaches that he eats from time to time. Um, And then who would be on the receiving end of all the shit I am putting out of my ass would have to be Nicolas Cage's character in Never on Tuesday because that film was shit and I wasted an hour and a half of my life. Um, 
these might change throughout. I might address this again when I've done another 10 episodes and I might well and truly ask any guests I have. It's a pretty fucking funny question and um, thank you for that one. Um, so yeah, that is all we have for Never Low, uh, for It Could Happen To You. I'm hoping that you're actually hearing this and this audio isn't lost and... I'm fucking up shit creek again and I'm going to have to be on third time lucky. But as always, rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. Or if you don't want to do that, just tell a friend. Check it out on Acast. Check out the social medias, which are all at Caged in Pod on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. There's always the email address to get in touch with the show which is cagedinpod at gmail.com. And then there's my mobile number, which is 07. Go fuck yourself. I'm not actually going to release my number on a podcast. Um, So, yeah, next week's episode will be Trapped in Paradise. And I will have Juggalo Joe Mel of those movie guys podcast joining me the format will be slightly different because we will have watched the films remotely separately and there won't be a kind of preamble before it will just be us kind of jumping in to what the fuck we thought about that film but it's still gonna be fun so um as always guys i've been your host petrus pat syllabus i've been caged in You've been rad. I hope this has fucking worked. Bye! This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Copal Connections, A Drip Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews. And becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.